Thank you, Father, for for this session as well. Thank you for this time that we could all gather together. Thank you for this opportunity as well, Lord Jesus, and this medium as well. Praise you and I thank you, Lord Jesus. We come in Jobinus Church and your hands. Praise you and I thank you in your most precious name. Asking to Amen. 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 So, guys, uh, a warm welcome to all of you for our class today. Uh, as you all are aware, we are going to be starting our topic on. Pneumatology. It's going to appear on your screen. Yeah, pneumatology. I hope all of you have your Bibles and your book ready with you. We uh, are go- we are starting the session, so I hope that all of you can write down everything that we learn in this class. Um, as we've been doing so earlier, if you have a question, you can either post it on the chat here or on. WhatsApp. I'll 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 try my best to answer, or we can have gaps in between, and all of you can ask your questions as well in between that as well. So yeah, we're just going to start right now. So I hope all of you can follow along with me uh, as uh, I show the screen, and you can see the screen. Pneumatology. This is one of the branches of systematic theology. One of the branches that we study under systematic theology. If you look at your next screen. we will understand just as we had studied bibliology the word ology simply means the study of and the word pneuma in the greek means spirit so pneuma spirit ology the study of pneumatology is the study of the work and the person of the lord of the holy spirit it is the doctrine of the holy spirit when you read the word of god you will understand that the holy spirit is often described as the third person in the trinity we believe in god the father we believe in god the son we also believe in god the holy spirit so pneumatology pneuma spirit ology the study of is the study of the person the work of the holy spirit now why is it important for us to study pneumatology why is it important if you look at your screen that's because the holy spirit is often understood to be just a part a lot of people when you ask them well what is your understanding of the holy spirit they would often say well the holy spirit is just a part some people would say well the holy spirit is just a force some people would say the holy spirit is just a feeling you know this feeling that i get and some people would go on to say when the holy spirit comes inside a person that becomes visible by certain things uh, and that's why uh, that's how people would describe the holy spirit but we understand that the holy spirit or the bible teaches that the holy spirit is not just a power is not just a force is not just a feeling but the holy spirit is actually more than the feeling more than a power more than a force he is definitely more than that I hope all of you can understand that we base our understanding on the word of God 
we base our ideologies our uh, understanding uh, on the basis of the word of god and the word of god teaches us various aspects of the holy spirit yes the scriptures does describe the holy spirit as a power as a force as a as a feeling also yeah but it's more than that and that's what we are going to study in this in this discussion okay uh, the holy spirit is just more than all of these things now i, I want to highlight two important aspects when we uh, begin our study of the holy spirit two important aspects of the holy spirit if you look at your screen you will find out that the slide has moved on to uh, discussing two important aspects now these are not the only two aspects regarding the holy spirit but because of the lack of time we're going to look at two important aspects now these two important aspects are also equally very important two important aspects of the holy spirit we need to understand we need to believe that the holy spirit is a person what do we mean by that well just like how god the father is a person he has a personality of his own but just like how jesus christ also has personalities we also believe on the basis of god's holy word that the holy spirit is also a person why do we say that the holy spirit is a person well there are portions in the bible that describes the holy spirit to have personalities different kind of personalities and that's why we say that the holy spirit is not just a force but he is in fact a person because of the personalities there are so many personalities but let me just highlight three important personalities number one when you look through the scriptures we believe and understand that the holy spirit in many portions uh, expresses emotions uh, has emotions and therefore expresses emotions therefore because the holy spirit expresses emotions we believe that the holy spirit has a personality he is a person okay not a person in the sense of can can be touched and can be can be seen with our eyes because he is of course a spirit but he has personalities and one of the personalities is that he has emotions the spirit the spirit has emotions uh, one verse that i just want to bring to your attention is the book of ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 i'm not looking at the complete verse but just to give us an idea because we look at the verse completely a little later it says and do not grieve the holy spirit of god that means it is possible for a believer to grieve to make the holy spirit sad to make the holy spirit unhappy and these are emotions and emotions is connected to our personality and therefore if the holy spirit can be grieved that means the holy spirit has emotions and if the holy spirit has emotions well it's very clear from scripture that the holy spirit has a personality do not grieve do not make the holy spirit sad that's what the bible says so the holy spirit has emotions okay ephesians 4:30 please write down this reference number 2 we also believe not only in the fact that the holy spirit has emotions but we believe that the holy spirit is an intelligent being he is intelligent he is not someone who merely follows everything that the father tells him no the holy spirit is able to think for himself he has intelligence he can reason he can make decisions on his own the holy spirit is able to make decisions and therefore is intelligent 
For example, look at Romans chapter 8 and verses 27. It's a verse that's there on your screen. You don't have to turn to. You can write it down. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 27 says, um, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So there it very clearly states the mind of the Spirit. That means the Spirit has a mind. The Spirit has intelligence. Like I said, what this verse simply explains is that the Holy Spirit is able to reason, is able to make decision. Uh, the next verse that I'm going to use, the next point that I'm going to use is going to make that a little more clearer. But I want us to understand that we are discussing the personalities and this verse clearly allows us to understand that the Holy Spirit has a mind. He is able to reason by himself. And that is an important aspect of the personality of the Holy Spirit. So he has emotions. He has intelligence. Romans chapter 8 and verse 27. And number 3. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has the will and the desire to do whatever he wants to do. He can do it by his own accord. Now a verse that I would use would be 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 11. I hope you are writing these references down. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 11. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit. First Corinthians 12 is a chapter that is talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The various spiritual gifts given to born again believers. And the gifts given to born again believers are gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the one and the same spirit. Now look at what it says. And he gives them. Who gives them? The Holy Spirit. What does he give? Spiritual gifts. Who does he give it to? Born again believers. So the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to born again believers to each one just as he determines. Just as he desires. That clearly shows that the Holy Spirit has a will of his own. He can reason. Not only that, he can make decisions of his own. He can make decisions of his own and that clearly is a sign of a personality and that allows us to understand that the Holy Spirit has a personality. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is not just a force, is not just a feeling. Well, he is in fact a person because he has emotions, intelligence and will. These are the verses that we looked at. Now, uh, these are three out of the many verses in the Bible that we can use to prove the different personalities of the Holy Spirit. Now, just to describe it once more, just to restate the points once more, I've got it here on the screen. Can somebody be kind enough to just read those three personalities again, loudly and clearly? Unmute and just read it. He has emotions, he has intelligence, he uh -huh. has a will. Okay, very good. So, the Holy Spirit is someone who emotes, uh, expresses himself in scripture. The Holy Spirit has intelligence. He has a mind. He can think. He, has a, he can reason. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit determines things by himself. That is his free will. Now, just to put this into perspective, we understand that even though the Holy Spirit can decide and determine by himself, he will never decide or determine anything outside the nature of the Godhead. That means he will not fight with the Father and say, well, this is what I agree to. This is what, how I think of it. No. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are harmonious with each other. They will always think in accordance to their character and their nature. 
they will never think differently from each other. We don't have to go there, but just to give you that perspective. Even though the Holy Spirit has a will of his own, doesn't mean he does, he fights with the Father. No, their will are always one and the same. So this is an important aspect of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you some time if you have a question to ask, but we'll just go ahead and describe the next thing as well. We need to understand from scripture, yes, the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. Even more important than that is another aspect that the scripture very clearly teaches. And even though we believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, we also need to fully understand, as it says in your screen, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. What I mean by that, as it says in the bracket there, the Holy Spirit has the same essence, like the Father and like the Son. Okay? They are not three gods. They are one in three, three in one. They have or they share the same essence. Just like how we believe the Father is God, just like how we believe the Son is God, we also believe that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, our topic is pneumatology, so I don't want to describe Trinity right now. I want to explain the Holy Spirit being God. He is God. We believe in the Holy Spirit being God, equal with the Father and the Son, having the same exact essence. The Holy Spirit is God. Why do we say that? Or how do we say that? Okay, now look at what the Bible says. The Bible very clearly teaches that there are names, titles given to the Spirit to show that the Spirit is God. There are verses that appear in the Bible, in scriptures, that allows us to understand that there is the title of the Godhood, the title of divinity given to the Holy Spirit as well. I'll give you an example. Write the reference down. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 11. I hope all of you are able to see the screen. Uh, I hope you're all able to follow through. Some of you, if you have just joined us, welcome. We are continuing our study in the book of uh, Pneumatology. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 11. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And by the Spirit of God. It's talking about the Holy Spirit also being divine. He is also God. And the Spirit of our God. God who is the Holy Spirit. That's what the verse simply means. So there are names and titles in the Bible. References I would like to add. That allows us to understand that the Holy Spirit is also divine in nature. By his name and by his titles. Number two. Not only his names and titles. There are the actions of the Holy Spirit we see in scriptures that allows us to understand that these are only actions that can be done by God, by a divine nature, someone of divine nature. And many a times the Holy Spirit shows these actions that can only be done by a divine nature. For example, if you look at Acts chapter 5 and verses 3 and 4. Probably one of the most important words we would use to talk about the Spirit being God. Okay, probably the most important word. Acts chapter 5 is talking about Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira sold their property, had a lump sum amount. They decided to keep that a portion of that money aside. And they brought the remaining to the apostles. Was there anything wrong in them keeping that portion of money aside? No. The problem was that when the disciples asked, is this all? 
that you got, they told a lie. Now look at the word of God. It's very clear. I've not put the entire reference. I've put portion of verse 3 and verse 4. The disciple Peter looks at Ananias and Sapphira and he says, You have lied to the Holy Spirit. And look at verse 4 and the last part. You have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. Look at that verse. Uh, in the same context, when Peter talks about the Holy Spirit, he says, You have not lied to the you have you have lied, in fact, to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that lying to the Holy Spirit is very dangerous because the Holy Spirit is God. You have not lied to men, but to God. Well, what does it mean that the Holy Spirit is God? The Holy Spirit is able to and understand the condition of the heart of man. Not only that, it was the Holy Spirit, God, who struck them down and Ananias and Sapphira were, were, fell to the ground dead. That was the act of the Spirit. And that was a powerful act that can only be done by someone with a divine nature. So therefore, because they lied to the Holy Spirit, who contextually in Acts chapter... Holy Spirit is also uh, God. Can you guys hear me? Uh, Jobin, you got cut yeah. off a little bit. Before. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. Am I clear? Yeah, now it's clear. Uh, guys, can someone else also just say, just to make sure? Yes, yes. We can yes, hear it's you. clear. Uh, number, yes. three, number three. We also believe that the Holy Spirit is God, not because of the titles and the names, not because just because of his actions, but because of his attributes. There are attributes of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures that we can read that allows us to understand that the Holy Spirit is of divine nature. His attributes. For example, we know that the scriptures explains to us that the Holy Spirit, just like the Father, is omniscient, is omnipotent and omnipresent. What do we mean by that? We mean that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. He knows all things. He's not limited in his knowledge. We know that the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. He can do anything that he wants to do. And we also believe that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Meaning the Holy Spirit is present everywhere at the same time. Well, these are three attributes that can only be described of someone with a divine nature. Therefore, there are verses in scripture that allows us to understand that the Holy Spirit is omniscient, omnipotent and uh, omnipresent. I'll give you those verses and you can write it down. But we'll just talk about it a little more, okay? Omniscience, all-knowing. The Holy Spirit is also all-knowing. Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 13. If you look at the Bible, omniscience, okay? The, the Spirit knows everything. Look at what the Word of God says. Who has understood the mind of the Lord? Now, in the original Hebrew language, the word Lord is in reference to the Holy Spirit. Who can understand the mind of the Holy Spirit? Well, this is not a question in ignorance. It's a rhetorical question. Who has understood the mind of the Holy Spirit is not a question asked in doubt. The author is saying, is there anybody who can really understand the mind of the Holy Spirit? Why? Because the mind of the Holy Spirit is so deep. He knows all things. He possesses all knowledge. There is nothing that is hidden from the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. That is what Isaiah chapter 40 verses 13 says. So he is all knowing. Not only that, the, if you look at the screen again, the Holy Spirit, we believe, is omnipresent. 
and a beautiful verse that we can use is Psalm 139 verses 7. Look at your screen, Psalm 139 and verses, oh, sorry, verses uh, 17. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Again, it's a rhetorical question. The psalmist is indirectly saying, Oh Lord, I cannot go away from your spirit. Mean, I cannot run away from your presence. Wherever, you, wherever I go, you are there. I, I hope you remember. Uh, let me just clarify. Yeah, it is not Psalm 139 verses 17. It is Psalm 139 verses 7. I'm sorry. It's Psalm 139 verses 7. Uh, basically, the psalmist is saying, even if I go to the highest point, you're there. I go to the lowest part, you're there. Everywhere that I go to, even when I was knit in my mother's womb, you are there. And you know all things about me when I was in my mother's womb. So the spirit is all-knowing and the spirit is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. Number three, the spirit is omnipotent. He can do all things. Okay, Psalm 104 and verses 30. Psalm 104 and verses 30 very clearly states, When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. Okay, we are going to look at this verse a little more clearly a little later. But I want us to understand as it is clear from the book of Genesis and this verse that the Holy Spirit was present in creation. And the spirit was hovering over the face of the earth or... When the spirit is sent, it, the earth is created and the spirit renews the face of the earth. So because the spirit was present in creation with the father and the son, well, creation is an act of God. And therefore, if the Holy Spirit was also present there, that simply clearly shows that the Holy Spirit is also God, omnipotent. He can do all things. So the Holy Spirit is God because... We understand that there are titles and names and references in scripture that describes the Holy Spirit being God. Not only that, we understand that the Holy Spirit is God because of his actions. There are things that the Holy Spirit does that can only be done by someone of the divine nature. And number three, the Holy Spirit is God because he has attributes of God. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He can do everything. He knows all things. And he is everywhere. Now putting all of these things together, you look at the slide, we believe in these two important aspects of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. He has emotions. He is intelligent. He has a will. Uh, the Holy Spirit is at the same time also God. He has a name. He has names and titles and references in scripture that point out to that. He has actions that point out, of, that point out a divine nature. And he also has attribute that allows us to understand that he can, he knows all things, he can do all things, and he is present everywhere at the same time. Before we go ahead, I want to give you guys a few seconds to go through. If you have a question based on whatever we discussed now, or you want me to explain something, you can ask right now. Anybody has a question based on what we just discussed right now? Uh, one question. Uh, you said he is, I mean, uh, it's, it's clear that uh, 
he is God in nature as well. So, uh, should we be praying to the Holy Spirit, and how should we be praying to the Holy Spirit? It's a very good question, Abhi. So, when we come on Sundays, we pray to the Father through the Son by the work of the Holy Spirit. So, we are not specifically uh, praying only to the Father. We are praying or remembering the Father, but we can only remember the Father through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And it is the Holy Spirit who enables us to remember the Father through the Son. So how can we worship the Spirit? Now this is what I usually do. Is I remember an attribute of the Holy Spirit and I express that attribute. I'm sorry. Uh, I remember an attribute and I express that attribute in praise and worship. And that's how I remember and I praise and worship the Holy Spirit. To give you an example. We looked at one attribute here, here uh, that the Holy Spirit knows all things. We saw that Psalm from Psalm 139. So what I would do when I praise, I would praise that attribute of the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, oh God, I thank you that you know all things. I thank you, oh Spirit, that you know everything that goes on in my heart. And I thank you that I do not, that I cannot hide from your presence. And so Lord, I thank you that wherever I go to, I can always be rest assured that I will find you. Well, that's an attribute of the Holy Spirit that I'm expressing through praise and worship. Does that make sense? Yeah, but uh, in your prayer, you just um, you just praised the Lord, not the Holy Spirit in specific, correct? Correct. You're right. You're right. What I said was you can take specific attributes of the Holy Spirit uh, and then you can use those attributes or, no, or, or let me put it in this way. When we regularly or daily read the Bible, we are supposed to search scripture about what the scripture teaches us about the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Imagine if today when you read the portion, this portion today spoke about a special action attribute, a special, a special, uh, special uh, observation about the Spirit. You can use that to praise the Holy Spirit. Right? Can you do that? I mean, could yeah. you do that? Like, like, okay, just to give you another example, just to help you out. You know, the version app, uh, there is a verse of the day that appears in the U. Sorry. There is a, there is this version app and that has a verse of the day. Every day is a different verse. Today's verse is Philippians chapter 2. And God, and Jesus emptied himself uh, and, and took upon himself the form of a servant. Okay. That talks about the incarnation, uh, the, the hypostatic union of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I read that portion, I'm also reminded of how in, in, in the Gospels, in Luke chapter 2, when it was the Holy Spirit that covered the womb so that the one who will be born will be called holy. Well, that was the work of the Spirit. So when I read that portion, I can praise and I can say, Jesus, thank you that you who, who is God became man. And I thank you, Spirit, for covering the womb when Jesus was there so that when Jesus was born, he is called holy. Thank you for covering that womb. Well, that's a good action done that you can remember in praise and worship. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, any other question? Um, Jobin, I had a question about uh, songs about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, who's this? Uh, this is Sandra. Hey, hi, Sandra. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Hi. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people have... Uh, differing views on whether we should be singing to him or not because many of the songs talk about um, you know Holy Spirit come stay with us be with us and you know uh, 
I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that. Okay. Um, and I don't know what should be my stand on that. Okay. That's a good question, Samuel. So now, like I said, the Bible does not specifically say worship the father alone. The Bible does not specifically, specifically say worship the son alone. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the spirit. But the Bible clearly states worship the father through the son by the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what the Bible mm-hmm. says. So that means... Uh, how I would describe it is give equal praise and worship to the Father, equal mm-hmm. praise and worship to the Son, equal praise and worship to the Holy Spirit. You can say three sentences in your praise and worship, one attributing the Father, one talking about the Son, and one talking about the Spirit. So that would be a good practice. Now, mm-hmm. it's not that if you forget to make a statement about the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is mm-hmm. going to get up. No, not like mm-hmm. that. Uh, when you're praising the Father, you praise the Son. But it's you know good to remind what the Spirit does for you daily. Mm-hmm. For, uh, Holy Spirit, thank you for convicting me of the sin of pride that I had today. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that because that's the work of the Spirit. Now, in regards to songs, you're right. Uh, we should be careful singing the songs that might teach the wrong works of the Holy Spirit. For example, when it says, Oh Lord, oh, oh, oh Spirit, come fill, come fill. Well, that would be that would not go against scripture because the scripture does teach about come uh, about the filling of the spirit which happens which should happen on a regular daily basis mm. but now suppose okay. if there's a song that says oh spirit come and indwell in us well that's a wrong concept okay. because the spirit permanently indwells in a person so you don't need to keep asking for the indwelling of the spirit okay. does that make sense yeah, so you're saying that um, we do ask the Spirit to fill us every day. Yes. So that's that's not, the, you know, doctrinally wrong or theologically that's doctrinally, wrong. That's not doctrinally wrong. Okay. But to say, indwell in me, all Spirit, uh, well, the Bible already says, we're going to look at that, we're going to look at that. The Bible clearly says, uh, indwell in me, O Lord, uh, well, the Spirit already indwells in me. Mm-hmm. You know, so those could be songs that you could avoid. So if, if there are songs that talks about the attributes of the spirit, see how those attributes are described in the Bible mm. and see, and then if those attributes don't go against the word of God, well, mm. then that, does that okay. make sense? Yeah, that does. Okay. So I'll just give you one more example. So now, just like I said, the U version Bible, the verse of the day, today's verse is about how Jesus emptied himself. So the first song that came to my mind is you laid aside your majesty. Right? We, we often sing that song. You laid aside your majesty, gave up everything for me. But Jesus never laid aside his majesty. Jesus can't lay aside his majesty. It's not a cloth for him to put it aside. His majesty was covered by the human nature. So I would be careful when I sing that song, even though the songwriter means well. Well, I want to be careful then. You laid aside your majesty, gave up everything for me. Jesus did not give up everything. Rather, he put on. So even though those songs mean well, well, I would like to be more careful. You know, like I, I don't think if you sing that song, fire and brimstone is going to strike you down. Because Jesus understands the intention, but just to be careful. Well, I hope that made sense. Yes, yes, it okay. did. Okay. Thank Anybody you. else? Anybody else? Uh, one more question, Jokana, Yeah. Sir. Yeah. Uh, could you uh, point out what is the difference between you know filling of the spirit and dif- uh, versus indwelling? I'm a little confused on the two okay, of them. So I I, I, that I will be actually explaining in the class tomorrow. Sherry, okay. I, I will be talking about that tomorrow. Just to give you a quick answer in a nutshell, 
When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells in you permanently. But every single day, you have to be filled with the Spirit. So that those are two different concepts. One is talking about when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and how the Spirit takes a permanent residence in you. And the other is talking about being filled with the Spirit as, in the sense, asking the Spirit's power to fill you. Uh, the Spirit's conviction to be there continuously. Uh, those are concepts that describe explain differently in the epistles which we will be looking at God willing the next class. Is that fine? Yeah, thank you. Okay. Cool. Anybody else? Mummy, one more question before we move ahead. Okay, cool. Thank you for being such good students. So the two important aspects of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit is God. We need to understand these two important aspects. Now, if you look at your screen, when you read the Bible, the Bible is, uh, is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is very clear and evident that the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament is very different from the Holy Spirit's work in the New Testament. It is not one and the same. Why do we say that? Because of the verses that appear in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You can see a clear difference in the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old versus the work of the Holy Spirit in the New. I'm going to talk about this in detail. So let's just go through these verses, try to understand these concepts. And if you have a question, you can ask. Okay. The work of the Holy Spirit is very different in the Old Testament. The work of the Holy Spirit is different in the New Testament. Now, it would always be better to first look at the verses in the New Testament to understand the clear difference of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. When you read the New Testament verse, you will clearly understand that there is a difference. But let's just look at some of the aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. I want you to understand the work of the Holy Spirit is very different in the Old versus the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. It's not one and the same. It's very different. So we're going to look at that. What was the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? I want us to understand that the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament can be seen in certain aspects. Number one, please write this down. We see that the Holy Spirit was evidently seen in the work of creation. The Holy Spirit was seen evidently. The work of the Holy Spirit is evidently seen in the work of creation. Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 and verses 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit supervised the work that the Father and the Son brought into existence. So you can very clearly see the work of the Holy Spirit in creation in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verses 2. So the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is evidently seen in the aspect of creation. Well, it's very straightforward. It's very clear. The Holy Spirit was involved in with the Father and the Son to bring uh, the creation into its existence. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. One of the aspects of the work of the Spirit seen in the Old Testament. Well, it was not only over creation. Number two. Okay, number two. The Holy Spirit's work was evidently seen in the lives of godly people. In the people of God. The Holy Spirit's work was evidently seen in the lives of godly people. 
in the work of the people of God. Now, let me just make that very clear. In the Old Testament, many a times, the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit would be seen in the life of the people of Israel, in the, in the, in, in the life of God's people, to say things and to do things. Now, just to give you an idea, that's why you see verses in the Old Testament where it says, suddenly he was filled by the Holy Spirit and he did this and he did that. Suddenly he was filled by the Holy Spirit and he did this and he did that. Okay? So the Holy Spirit's work is seen in the lives of godly people. I want to pinpoint three examples from scripture. We can see that the Holy Spirit was there in the life of Joseph. Okay? The Holy Spirit was seen in, the, in, in and through the work and the life of Joseph. A verse that you can write down. Genesis chapter 41 and verses 38. Genesis 41 and verses 38. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the Spirit of God. Can we find anyone like this man? In whom is the Spirit of God? In whom is the Holy Spirit? Now obviously, Pharaoh is not giving a class to the people about pneumatology. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is testifying in front of everybody. And the Holy Spirit is using this occasion and the words of Pharaoh to let people know that whatever Joseph said, the interpretation of the dreams, exactly to the point, well, it is not a human uh, quality. It is by the Spirit of God. Hey man, look at this guy. This guy said exactly what I dreamed to the point and he gave me the meaning. And this is the work of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we see that the Holy Spirit came in Joseph to do that particular task and to say something specifically to somebody Okay, in the life of Joseph. Keep your questions in your mind. We will answer those questions. But I want you to also listen carefully to what I'm saying. Not only in the life of Joseph, number two, in the life of Joshua. That's what the Bible teaches in the life of or through the life of Joshua. Numbers chapter 27 verses 18. Uh, Numbers chapter 27 and verses 18. Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit. Take Joshua. Okay, and why should you take Joshua? Well, we can see a lot of things that he says. We can see a lot of things that he does. Decisions that he makes. And we understand that he has the spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at that verse contextually. The Lord is speaking to Moses and the Lord is attributing the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the life of Joshua. In and through the life of Joshua. Take him because he is somebody who speaks and does, thing, does things by the work of the Holy Spirit. Not only in the life of Joseph, not only in the life of Joshua. Or, or, another example would be the life of Daniel. You see a lot of similarities between Daniel and Joseph because Daniel and Joseph went through a lot of similar situations that caused people to look at them and say, this is not an ordinary work. This is the work of the Spirit. Okay. Now look at in the life of Daniel. Daniel chapter 5 and verses 11. Daniel chapter 5 and verses 11. It very clearly states, there is a man in your kingdom. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. Okay, there is a man in your kingdom. These are the words of the queen. Now, please don't misunderstand. The queen is not saying that Daniel has so many spirits in him. 
neither is the queen talking about brandy whiskey and those kind of spirits no i want you to understand that the pagan people living at that time did not attend the class that we are attending so therefore they don't have any idea of pneumatology so according to their understanding they are describing this but we can understand because we have a better revelation so she looked at daniel again daniel describes the dream to the point explains what the vision is about what is going to happen and the queen looks at daniel and says man there is this guy in your kingdom in whom is the spirit in whom is the holy spirit we understand that she is talking about the spirit even though she does not understand it because at that time well the revelation of god was was not completely clear it was in stages so we understand when she says the spirit of the holy gods she is not talking about many gods but that is her language and her understanding but we understand that it is the work of the spirit in daniel to say all that daniel could say in front of everybody else so the work of the spirit in the old testament is seen in creation work of the holy spirit is seen specifically in the life uh, of the people of god to do certain things to say certain things to show certain actions to let people know that these are not ordinary actions but extraordinary actions and therefore there is some there is some power external power to it and that is what or how we see the work of the holy spirit in the old testament okay therefore when you read the old testament and now i want you to listen very carefully to the next point because i don't want you to understand uh, misunderstand sorry sorry i don't want you to misunderstand therefore when you look at the entire old testament you will find out that the work of the holy spirit was limited when i say that the work of the holy spirit was limited not in regards to the ability i am not saying that the holy spirit could not do certain things in the old testament no i'll say that again i'm not saying that the holy spirit could not do certain things in the old testament because we just studied the holy spirit is omnipotent he can do everything what i'm trying to say was that the holy spirit worked in regards to a time period he would come upon a person for a particular period make that person say do spectacular things and then he would leave the person and he would go he would come upon a, a, a certain group of people they would prophesy they would do certain things and then he would go it was limited the work of the holy spirit in the old testament was limited i know all of you are thinking right now why i'm going to answer that i'm going to answer that so i want you guys to be a little patient but i just want you to hear me out okay the work of the holy spirit was limited uh in regards not to his ability but in regards to a time frame the holy spirit was limited he would come he would do certain things and then he would go okay so he was limited in his works number 2 the holy spirit was not permanent as we will see and study in the new testament the holy spirit's work was not permanent that's why i said sometimes you see the spirit coming sometimes you see the spirit doing certain things sometimes you see the spirit after doing that work the holy spirit goes just to give you an example we don't have time to go through all the verses just to give you an example the holy spirit left king saul the holy spirit came on king saul and then the holy spirit left king saul so it's not a permanent indwelling of the holy spirit it's very different uh, in the old testament like how it uh, uh, unlike how it is in the new testament so 
There is not a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Number three, the Holy Spirit often spoke through prophets or put the words of God directly into the mouth of his people. Now, I'm sure you guys must be thinking, well, one of the work of the Holy Spirit I know in the Bible is conviction. He convicts people of sin. Well, if the Holy Spirit was not permanent, then how did the people of God get convicted? That's what I said. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit spoke, uh, or God spoke directly to the people through his prophets. I'll give you an example. David had committed a sin of adultery with Bathsheba. It was not the Holy Spirit who directly came there, but it was Nathan who by God came up to David, looked at him, pointed his finger and said, you are the man who committed that sin. But that was how the conviction of the Spirit took place in the Old Testament. Different from the conviction or the work of the Holy Spirit in the New, because in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit convicts us directly of our sin. So I hope this is clear. The work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, one of the aspects is where we see the work is it is evident in creation. The work of the Holy Spirit was seen in the lives of His people, godly people. But the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was limited. It was not a permanent indwelling. And rather, in other words, often the work of the Spirit was a in, a, in a general way. It was not specific. It would come, it would make God's people do certain things, say certain things, and then the Spirit of the Lord would go away. Okay? Now, I know you guys have a lot of questions in regards to this. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain first the New Testament concept of teaching so that you would get a better idea. Uh, is that okay? Can I hear one or two responses? Yes. One more person? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So, if let me explain the New Testament concept. Uh, about the work of the Holy Spirit and then if you have a question, yeah, obviously we'll take those questions. But just to give you an idea because the New Testament verses explains it very differently from about the work of the Spirit unlike the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So these are the works of the Holy Spirit. I hope it was clear. I hope you've written it down. I'll just give you a few seconds to write down these words. Okay, so let's just go ahead now. The work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. What is the work or how do we see the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament? Or what do we see about how the New Testament describes the Holy Spirit? What are the, what are the most important verses I want us to think about, concentrate, understand is John's Gospel chapter 14 and verses 16. And once we write this reference down, I want us to go through like an expert position of this verse because this verse clearly states about how different the work of the Holy Spirit is in the Old and in the New Testament. John's Gospel chapter 14 and verses 16. You can write the reference down and then uh, the verse appears on your screen there. I'll give you a few seconds just to write the reference down and then after that uh, you can look at your screen. John's Gospel chapter 14 and verses 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. I'll read that again. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you a very important verse in the new testament about the work of the holy spirit in the new testament so this is a verse i want you to buy heart and keep it in your mind okay now jesus's words to the disciples jesus's words therefore indirectly to the, all the world uh, to all the born again believers look at how he describes about the holy spirit i want you to look at certain aspects okay we are going to describe this verse now line by line word by word and look at the work of the spirit okay first of all jesus says and i will ask the father and he will give you well it is not talking about something that has already happened but rather he is talking about a future event now that very clearly states a difference in the presence and the work of the spirit in the old testament well if the holy spirit was there permanently in the old testament permanently then why does jesus have to say i will give you why does he have to talk about a future event well that's because the holy spirit was not evidently present there in the old testament but now he says i will give you a future event now we know that this is uh, historically talking about acts chapter 2 the day of pentecost on the day of pentecost the holy spirit comes into the world like how he's never come before he comes into this world so jesus says he will give you the holy spirit or he will send the holy spirit okay i want to use one more verse here john's gospel chapter 16 and verses 7 please write this reference john's gospel chapter 16 verses 7 unless i go away the counselor will not come to you but if i go i will send him to you what does that mean well the holy spirit is going to be sent in a way like how he have, he was never sent before the holy spirit is going to come in a way that he has never come before this is talking about a future event when i say future event i mean at the time of john's gospel chapter 16 at the time of jesus talking to his disciples this event yet had not taken place in john's gospel chapter 16 when jesus is talking he is referring to a future event which happened in acts chapter 2 that's what i mean the coming of the holy spirit so this is different from the old testament okay Now, not only that. Look at John's Gospel, chapter fourteen, verses sixteen. I will ask the Father, and He will give you the coming of the Holy Spirit in the future. Another Counselor to be with you forever. To be with you forever. That talks about the permanent state of the Holy Spirit. You don't find any verse like this in the Old Testament. So that means in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come, the Spirit would work, the Spirit would go. But Jesus says in the New Testament, "I will send you the Holy Spirit, and now He will dwell with you forever." Now, I want you guys to understand. Well, if the Holy Spirit was permanently dwelling in the Old Testament, then Jesus would Jesus would rather say, "Well, I will send you the Holy Spirit, who will dwell with you forever, just like how He dwelt with you forever in the Old." He never says that. He's saying now He will dwell with you forever, which clearly teaches us. Well, remember how in the Old He used to come and go. now he is going to be with you forever john 16 verse 7 i will send him to you okay forever so therefore in the new testament the holy spirit is not limited again limitation is not talking about the capacity but about the time frame he is not limited he is now permanent he is now working specifically to all born again believers okay the indwelling of the spirit or the work of the spirit 
in the New Testament is very specific to all born again believers. This is what we see in the New Testament. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Therefore, he will come when the Spirit comes, Acts chapter 2, from Acts chapter 2 till today, until the coming of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is permanent. He indwells in us. He works with an unlimited power. Okay? This is very different from what was seen in the Old Testament. I hope that's very clear. You can ask a question at the end of the slide. And look at that verse. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor. Another counselor. Now, I don't want us to misunderstand this verse. Another counselor. Now, in the original Greek language, I don't want to explain the Greek word, but the word another in the Greek simply means of the same kind or essence. Of the same kind or essence. Let me simplify for you. And I, Jesus Christ, will ask the Father. And I, Jesus, or Jesus will ask the Father. And the Father will send someone of the same essence as him and the Son. I'll explain it. I'll simplify it again. And I, which is Jesus Christ, will talk to the Father. And he will send someone who has the same essence like the Father and the Son. That other person who is coming is not different from the Father or the Son in regards to the essence. Just like how the Father is God and the Son is God, the person that we are sending to you is also of the same essence of the Godhead. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what the word another actually means. Now, I know a casual reading of the verse might make us misunderstand. But now that you know this truth, you'll be able to enjoy the verse a little more beautifully and also when you explain it to people. Another means someone of the same kind or essence. Therefore, we believe from the verse that the Holy Spirit shares the same essence of the Godhead with the Father and the Son. I, Jesus, is saying he will ask the Father to give you another, meaning someone of the same essence as the Father and the Son. Another person will be sent to you. Who is the person that is going to come? The Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. Jesus is talking about Acts chapter 2 to the disciples. But this Holy Spirit is described here as a counselor. I will send you someone of the same essence, the Spirit, and this Holy Spirit will become a counselor. What is the meaning of the word counselor? It's there on your screen. The counselor is someone who pleads a cause or presents a case before a court. That is who the counselor is. The counselor will plead a cause or present a case before a court. And that is going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. The same idea of the counselor pleading a cause or presenting a case is seen in John's Gospel, chapter 16 and verses 7. Let me just explain this to give us a simpler idea. Today, the Holy Spirit indwells in the world. Today, the Holy Spirit pleads a cause or presents a case. A whole, the Holy Spirit convicts an unbeliever of their sin. And the Holy Spirit encourages that unbeliever. Hey, would you like to enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit who already lives inside a believer talks to a believer every single day and says, Hey, do you think you should be committing that sin? Would you like to confess that sin 
and 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 grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit today. That is something that the Holy Spirit does on a regular basis. Now, the Holy Spirit is called as the Counselor. The Holy Spirit is called as the Spirit of Truth. John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verses 16. The last part of that verse is called, uh, is describes the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth. He is the Spirit of Truth. What does that mean? When it says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth, He speaks the truth and shows the Lord Jesus to the whole world. He shows the whole uh, the Lord Jesus to the whole world. It is the Spirit's work today to, to show the world that Jesus is the only way, Jesus is the only truth, and Jesus is the only life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, which is very different from how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. We did study a lot of concepts here. I'm just going to give you some time uh, to read. And if you have any question to ask based on what we spoke right now, you can ask me those questions. Jopin, just clarifying. So, when you say the spirit of truth, he speaks uh, the truth. It's in people's hearts and also through the word of God that he reveals to us what the truth is, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. He speaks in the hearts of believers the truth. He speaks through, he reveals who God is to the world that is living without him. Through different aspects, through many, through various means. Uh, Jobin, uh, yeah. in the Old Testament, uh, you had mentioned that the indwelling was not permanent. Correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, that is indwelling, or that is filling up of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, indwelling is not. Yeah, where you're you're right in asking that. So, you don't see the indwelling, you don't see the filling also. These are New Testament concepts. These are not Old Testament concepts. Which you one is the... Sorry, the filling up is the New Testament or the indwelling is the New Testament? Indwelling and filling are concepts that are seen in the New Testament. It's not there in the Old Testament. Okay. Alright. Yeah. So that's why I was saying the Spirit would come the spirit would do certain things through the person, in the person, say something, and the spirit would go. Uh, Jobin, hi. Yeah. This is Nitin. Sorry? Uh, no, it's Nitin. I was just saying it. Yeah, Nitin. yeah. Yes, Doctor. Uh, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was not indwelling as it is now in believers, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, so was this... Uh, from this beginning or till the time of Noah or something like that? I mean, no, I think it was throughout the Old Testament. The work of... Throughout the uh, Old Testament. Yeah, throughout okay. the Old Testament. I, mean, I was reading Genesis 6, yeah. uh, verse 3, and then it's it's mentioned, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever. Okay. Uh, for, his, for he is flesh, his day shall be 120 years. 
was okay. just wondering if this means that the spirit was abiding in man till then. Uh, then... Uh, so, in that verse, in that context, so that's not the idea you're getting. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Questions? Hi, and I'm Seth. Yes. Um, will there be, uh, uh, like when you mentioned he speaks the truth, right? Yeah. So a lot of people claim that he speaks some extra biblical truth. Could that be a possibility? See, like I said, the work of the Spirit today is, is, is specifically to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and the Father and the Son. That's the work of the Spirit. Now, it will only reveal truths about the Father and the Son that is found in the Bible. Nothing extra to the revelation that is revealed in the Bible about, uh, about uh, the Father and the Son. No new revelations. Whatever revelations that is given about the Father and the Son in Scripture is what the Holy Spirit would reveal. Thank you. Uh, Jobin, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's directly related. You can feel free to not answer it if it's not. But uh, I have a question about uh, John 4.24. Yeah. It says, uh, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not very clear about what that means. Is it okay. possible for you to explain that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So John chapter 4 verse 24, God is spirit and true worshiper, uh, true Worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. That's a very good question. Now, uh, you remember the conversation that the Samaritan woman had. No, no, Samaritan woman is talking to Jesus about a physical place of worship. Right? She's yeah. saying, uh, the Jew says we should worship here. But you say, we, uh, some people say we should worship there. Where should we physically worship? And then now Jesus is coming to a point in history where he says, well, you used to gather at a physical place. But I'm now talking about how I have come to reveal the Father, myself and the Spirit, and now we will be with you at all point in time. So it's not a physical place anymore. It's talking about a spiritual relationship. So first you must enter the spiritual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, because God is Spirit. He cannot be contained. So if you want to worship God, enter into a spiritual relationship, then you can worship Him in Spirit, wherever you are seated. Because you have a spiritual relationship with God, you can worship Him anywhere, anytime. Does that make sense? Okay. So in the context, uh, yeah. this is what he's referring. That's what he's saying. I mean, okay. is, was, that, was that a little clear? Yes, yes. It okay. was more now, clear. Now let me just take it one more step further. I, I, I'm happy you brought up uh, John's Gospel chapter 4 because this is actually talking about the point that we just said. The spirit of truth. He speaks the truth and shows Jesus to the whole, whole world. Now, I want us all to look at the context completely in the Gospel of John chapter 4. The, in John, John chapter 4, Jesus is saying, in order to enter into a spiritual relationship with the Father, you need to understand the truth revealed about Jesus that the Holy Spirit reveals. You need to understand how the Holy Spirit reveals the truth about Jesus. So what, is, what does that mean? John's Gospel chapter 1, verses 35. Jesus is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. You need to understand that truth. Okay? That is a very important aspect that you need to understand. John's Gospel chapter 2. Jesus is saying, break this temple and in three days I will rise it again. Because I am the temple of God. 
John's Gospel chapter 3, Jesus is saying, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth, I am the son who came into this world. John's Gospel chapter 4, Jesus is telling the Samaritan wo uh, woman, I am the, wa the, the water of life, so that if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. These are the truths revealed about Jesus in the first four chapters of the Gospel of John. If you don't understand these truths about Jesus, that he is the one who takes away the sin of the world, that he is the temple of the uh, temple of the living God, that he was the son sent by God the Father, you don't have a spiritual relationship with him. Would that, does that make sense? Does that make sense? You understand that? So that's the broader picture of what Jesus is trying to say. Well, these are truths you need to understand that Jesus takes away your sin. You don't need to go to a physical temple. Jesus is the temple. He is the one to approach the Father. And in chapter 3, I am the Son sent by God into the world. And therefore, I give you the access to the Father now. That was the work of the Spirit revealed to the people mm -hmm. living in at that point of time. So in verse 25, she talks about, I know that Messiah is coming. So Jesus is basically saying, I am the way to worship God. I am the way to worship. Yeah. That, that Old Testament idea that you had is me in the flesh standing in front of you. Okay, and, and this thought came into your mind, not just, just like that, but it was the work of the Spirit in you, convicting you. And I'm telling you, why don't you give in to that conviction and allow me to live inside your heart. I hope that was clear. So in verse 23, when he's saying that the hour is coming, he's referring to when the Spirit will come. When he will send the Spirit. Uh, you, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, in one sense, yeah, you can say that. The hour is coming when you, not just the, uh, not just about uh, the coming of the Spirit, but I think Jesus is also talking about the hour is coming when I'm going to go die on the cross. Oh. And, this, and, this, and this sacrifice is coming to an end. You're going to the temple is coming to an end. Uh, this, this, this partial deliverance from sin is coming to an end. He's talking about all of that, which also definitely mm -hmm. includes. You know, he's saying you had a good, good package. I'm coming to give you something better. The mm -hmm. R is coming to give you something better. And that is all going to be fulfilled when I die on the cross. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Any more questions? Yes. Yeah. So, like, was there a reason that the Holy Spirit didn't... um? enter the people permanently in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he did? Yeah, that's a very good question, Danny. Now, I, my personal understanding is everything that happened in the Old Testament happened in the Old Testament to point the way for what is to happen in the New Testament. Everything that happened in the Old Testament happens in the Old Testament to point the way to something better or the best that comes in the New Testament. Sacrifices was given in the Old Testament so that people would ultimately get so tired of killing this bull over and over and over again so that they could look forward to the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross once and for all to take away those sacrifices. In the same way, I think the Holy Spirit only temporarily came because it pointed to well, Jesus ascending to the Father's presence so that the Holy Spirit permanently indwells 
in them so everything that happened in the old happened to point to everything that happens in the new test danny does that make sense yes yeah so whenever you read the old testament when you say oh why does this happen well that happens because it's pointing you to something else in the new uh so that you say well well this is good not good enough now you look at the new everything in the old gets fulfilled in the new so whatever was there to its limitation in the old well you see there is no limitation in the new testament and everything is is given everything happens so i think things happen in the old so that in a way you and i can look to the new testament to point all of those things that does happen in the new testament danny is that clear yes thank you i hope that made sense ajita i have a question yeah um like um, so earlier uh, you had pointed out uh, about the fact that the holy spirit has a personality that he has emotions right and uh, you did say like the first you pointed out was ephesians 430 which said do not grieve the holy spirit of god doesn't that verse also say that we as humans have the ability to grieve the holy spirit why why is it that holy spirit which is dwelling in us is not able to take full control uh, can you ask is it the, that we are can you ask, can you ask the last part of the question again i didn't hear sorry like why can't the holy spirit or why doesn't the holy spirit keep us uh, have control over our actions rather than because uh, even as believers we or our flesh is still uh, prone to sin right so like is there any reason why the holy spirit is not able to control our actions before we end up sinning uh so there there are a couple of ways probably to answer that one could be because even though jesus died on the cross for our sins we still live in the flesh so our our fight is against flesh and blood and uh, uh this is sharon right yeah uh i'm glad you asked it because the next slide answers your question uh, but just to give you an idea we are still living in the flesh and our flesh is now battling with the holy spirit so our flesh so why the holy spirit does not take complete control is because we still have free will and god at any point in time never overrules our human free will god allows us to 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 still make decisions still still uh, abide uh, still do things that we want to do because he does not overrule our free will if god wanted to overrule it then god would have not given us free will so because we have the free will the godhead they don't overrule our human free will they allow us to make our own decisions but what the holy spirit does is the holy spirit gives us this conviction before we commit the sin also for us to show that we daily need to depend now for example if the holy spirit did everything in my life then my dependence on god would actually not grow why because the holy spirit does his job the holy spirit holds my hand before i do something wrong look at something wrong but now i need to learn to depend on the holy spirit a lot more because i'm still living in my flesh and because god does not overrule my human free will does that make sense yeah 
then yeah. again how do we differentiate between our conscious and the holy spirit at work is it the same is it different i mean it is different the conscious will only tell you to do things that the conscience often tells you to do things that are wrong and the holy spirit comes uh, every time tells you don't do the wrong thing that's how you differentiate so when you want to do something wrong when you desire evil or sin so that's your that's your spirit that's your flesh that's your conscience talking because your the roman the book of romans chapter 6 7 and 8 uh the things that i do not want to do well that's the the, the things that i do not want to do that's the only thing that i end up doing that's your conscience and your flesh speaking and that's very different from the work of the spirit because it's your spirit that says don't do it don't do it don't do it Uh, any more? Maybe one more question. Jabina, na, just yeah. Murli. Can yes. you hear me? Yes, of course. Uh, na, uh, na, like uh, all, like uh, conscious, like a uh, wisdom coming from the God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but like uh, sometimes old spirit, they don't want to do that, but wisdom yeah. want to do that. So I will be differentiating the both things in my mind. Yeah. So like I said, no. Just now I was just saying that, no. Okay. So, the the our own human wisdom our flesh often wants to do the wrong things the holy spirit will never tell you to do the wrong thing so when i want to do something wrong i understand that that is my flesh who is at work right now when my when i want to tell a lie when i want to see something that i'm not supposed to see when i want to get angry when i want to dwell in my anger i understand that that is the work of my flesh my own wisdom but the holy spirit constantly continuously says don't do it think of jesus don't do it you should have victory over this sin are you still struggling in this sin well those are the voices of the work of the holy spirit so whenever we have a desire to do wrong things it can be a flesh or the temptation of the devil how do you differentiate well you understand uh it is on it is with whose help that you make your decisions or you do things in your life allows us you allows you to understand whether you are depending more on your own flesh your own wisdom or the guidance of the holy spirit uh, murli was that clear yeah no thanks okay one last question Uh, not a question, Ruben, but uh, will you be taking us through understanding the difference between conviction and condemnation? Sort. Ah, uh, conviction and condemnation. Could you? Because I mean, a lot of times, uh, we think that, um, like you know, um, the evil one condemns us, and we feel like it's coming from the Holy Spirit. Okay. for us to be able to discern that also is very important because otherwise we could you know get into a dark place and feel right. horror and that's not what the holy spirit ever wants for us okay so uh can can i probably say like this the holy spirit convicts uh a born again believer the holy spirit the father the son and the holy spirit never condemns a born again believer because we have been forgiven by the sacrifice of the lord jesus christ on the cross so there is no condemnation for us anymore so the spirit never condemns us the spirit constantly convicts us can we say it like that i mean would that yeah yeah okay so the work of the spirit the father and the son is to convict or the spirit 
in the new testament convicts a born again believer and if there is someone who is living without god constantly at the end of age at the end of all time well the god had condemns that person and tells that person that there is no longer any way for you to enter back into the presence of god the holy spirit would not condemn us but the holy spirit constantly convicts us and yeah like to point out what sheetal said we need to differentiate because sometimes we can fall prey to listening to the voice of the devil thinking that the spirit is telling us oh man you are good for nothing and there is no way for you to come back well we should understand that that is something that the holy spirit would never do okay well i hope it was clear uh, i hope all of us understood what is the work of the spirit i'm really sorry i could not look at the chat on my whatsapp because i was using my phone uh, but if you have questions you can whatsapp me and i'll try to answer those questions or include it in the next session but i hope all of you were clear there was a clear distinction in the work of the spirit in the old and in the new in the old it was not permanent in the new it is very permanent well now that the work of the spirit is permanent in the new what does he do we're going to look at it in the next session so before we go ahead i want us all to look at romans chapter 8 and verses 2 this is also tying to the question that sharon asked romans chapter 8 and verses 2 romans chapter 8 and verses 2 just look at your bibles because through christ jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death now if you look at the original greek language the word or the term spirit of life is another is another word we can use for the holy spirit the holy spirit is someone who gives life the holy spirit here describes giving eternal life that's why the holy spirit here is called as the spirit of life now you look at the law of sin and the law of death if you look at romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 7 it's talking about the continuous struggle we have with the flesh we spoke about this why do i struggle in my flesh oh the things that i do not want to do that's what i end up doing and the things that i know i should be doing i don't do that that's the constant indwelling of the flesh the sinful nature now look at what paul is doing paul is taking the term talking about the continuous indwelling of the flesh and using the same thing to describe the holy spirit just like how you are continually indwelling just like how you are living in the flesh and the flesh continues to stay with you you live in the flesh it's going to be with you for a for 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 a long time the spirit also lives with you indwells with you stays with you in the same way that's the ideology that apostle paul is bringing here the holy spirit lives in you just like how you live in the flesh like how the flesh is an ongoing process well the work of the spirit is also an ongoing process but what does the spirit do the holy spirit sets you free from the clutches of the flesh from the law of sin from the law of the death that is possible only through jesus christ that is only possible if you listen to the convicting voice of the spirit open your heart and ask the lord jesus christ to live inside now listen to me carefully any of you if you yet not received jesus through the convicting work of the spirit i want to remind you in the light of god's word 
that you are still living under the law of sin that ultimately would lead to death, eternal separation. But if you respond to Jesus through the Spirit, the convicting work of the Spirit, and if you believe in the Spirit, it will give you eternal life. Those of us who have enjoyed entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ by the work of the Spirit, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Therefore now, those people no longer have a condemnation for those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ once and for all, we enjoy no longer any condemnation. Why? Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit of life, or the work of the Spirit, has set me free from the law of sin and death. So, while we study this, well, it's very good for us to learn some concepts. But if you've never confessed our sin and asked the Lord Jesus to live inside, that is something we should probably think about. And for those of us who have enjoyed entering into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, understand just like how the flesh, we live in the flesh, the spirit also lives with us. It's a daily battle. It's a daily struggle. Well, how do I know who's winning the battle? Ask yourself, do you feed your flesh every day? Do you, do you feed the Holy Spirit every day who lives in you? So may these words encourage us to think about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to think about the continual work of the Spirit. I hope you guys enjoyed this class. I hope, I'm sorry if there was any disturbances. If you have any questions, you can WhatsApp me. Otherwise, God willing, uh, there is a gap tomorrow and then we meet the following day in the afternoon and we will continue our study uh, on the subject of pneumatology. God bless you. Have a wonderful remainder part of the day. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Jobin. Thank you, Jobin. Thanks, Jobin. Thank you, Jobin, Uncle. Thank you, Jobin, Uncle. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jobin. Thank you, Jobin, Uncle. Jubin, I just call you uncle there. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, bye. See you.